0: Just a quick warning that we will be discussing heavy themes like pregnancy loss, abortion, religion, and as always, big existential questions. This is an unbleeped version of our thoughts as they come to us.
1: Hello and welcome to A Hopeless Endeavor, a Joanna Newsom podcast. My name is Sam. I live in
0: Vancouver. And I'm Nikki. I live in Ithaca in beautiful upstate New York. So welcome to part three, the final part of Sawdust and Diamonds. I hope you guys enjoy it. Somehow, yet again, I have managed to fuck up the audio for uh, (laughs) Sawdust and Diamonds. So Sam and I recorded an intro and an outro, but it'll likely just be me uh, for this last bit at least. But I'm pretty sure that all we did was say thank you so much to those of you who listen and engage with us. It means so much to us. So uh let's just dive right in thanks for listening guys okay so then she says i'll say just before i read this one she of all the youtube videos i watched she's fucked this line up more than anything else i've seen she forgets this line all of the time live and I I don't know why she can't remember it but it's to her disconnected from the previous line because like it she just forgets
1: it the I don't know the tenor of the song changes a lot here the beat of the song changes a lot here we're back with frantic um the harp is going the beat is going um we're moving quickly now like just like the prairie fire
0: we're going yeah and speaking to that actually I had wanted to say before um when we were talking more just about, like, the way that this song sounds, uh, she very much is speaking in, like, this, or singing, sorry, in this, like, very, like, low voice almost. Like, it sounds like she's lower. She starts lower in my head than she does with the other songs. So if you picture how she sings, like, from the top of the flight of the white, white stairs, she's not – it's different from, like, when she starts Only Skin with, like, and which is already a super high note or even like the metal which gets up there right away or like down in the green hay which is already like higher than i can reach in my little limited vocal register right um from the top of the flight i can get it's like a low sort of uh, like not not exclamatory way that she's singing this first part and then when she gets to Uh, swings a low sickle arc, I think is the first time where she gets like frantic about it. She gets higher Mm. and it like raises the stakes or something of this song. Uh, Okay. Sorry. So I'll read this. So, and then a slow lip of fire moves across the prairie with precision while somewhere with your pliers and glue, you make your first incision. And in a moment of almost unbearable vision doubled over with the hunger of lions, hold me close could the dove who is stuffed now with sawdust and diamonds okay so i feel like i have a stupid amount of stuff to say about this verse <laughs> <laughs> okay first things first just taking our lead from the previous verse when we were talking about fires and um like what that might mean mm-hmm. Here she's like specifically talking about uh, fires in reference to the prairies Mm -hmm. with precision, which on genius, but also just like to me, like, um, makes me think about uh, controlled fires, right? So people, yeah, controlled burns, right? So uh, controlled burns are done in order to uh, give better lives to like mammals and birds and, and butterflies that exist in that prairie land, right? Yeah, and to like, um,
1: prepare the soil for the next round of planting, like to make right. sure that the earth itself is nourished for right. the next round of whatever.
0: Which in turn benefits those those mm-hmm. existing beings. Mm-hmm. And to me, in my fetus interpretation, I'm like, yes, so uh, like – You know, the line that we were talking about, I believe, last episode, um, the blessing all the birds that died that I could live. Mm -hmm. And I was saying that I think that birds for her are associated with these unborn, like, potential beings. Uh, When she's talking about this, like, controlled burn of the prairie and, like, those things are done in order that other things have better lives – it just feels like this parallel to me between like what an abortion does for a whole fucking lot of women and people with uteruses um where it really is the sacrifice of one thing for this other thing mm-hmm. um, yeah,
1: um, the use of the word incision never mind that it rhymes beautifully with precision I don't know who else would have thought of that but Joanna Newsom but um like the, the the specificity of incision as something that is well thought out that is planned that is and I'm venturing here almost agreed upon um and maybe not I mean, just compared to like the murdering stake of earlier, it seems a lot less messy. Um, like precise, uh, precise, um, and like Jack said in uh, his email from earlier, like does denote like a certain surgical notation.
0: It's interestingly too not. You make the first incision, right? You it's you make your, your mm-hmm. first incision, and which the makes first. it first. Right. Yeah. It makes it feel like it is Whatever action is taking place is not the action of the narrator, right? Or like not exactly. something that the narrator is driving. Mm-hmm. Uh Somebody else is doing the pressuring.
1: (laughs) With their pliers and glue. With. um, I want to say scythe. But I know that's not what we're talking about in this song. With the scythe and the salt. Um, Yeah. You make your first incision. And almost unbearable. Like. (laughs) The ability whilst. In the middle of this incredibly messy situation. To be able to like see. And feel clearly for the first time. And then doubled over, we talk about the buckling from before, but with the hunger of lions, kills me. Me too. The hunger for what? Like the hunger, if we're talking about this being a loss of a fetus, the birth of a child, a loss, like a hunger for some kind of love, a hunger for some kind of relationship. like the the hunger for it, like she she's using lions here. So, like, for some semblance of like a family unit that like lions travel in i don't I don't know,
0: I mean, also to the um wide white roar mm-hmm. of the beginning of the song, uh, like, I don't even know if here Lions is just supposed to make us think about the mm. this like gigantic. Hunger or like force, even Mm -hmm. like this, like force that's beyond uh, the narrator. Maybe I'm not exactly sure either. It's but it's a roar. Like I get that. Yeah, right. It's a roar, and uh, it's too much for whoever it is to. It's almost too much for whoever whoever it is to bear. Yes, it's almost unbearable. But I I guess they can do it. Um. In this horrible fucking last line, it's so sad. Just hold me close to the dove who is stuffed now with sawdust and diamond. So if we think about it as a fetus who has just been either aborted or miscarried or whatever, or even just a relationship that has been terminated, whatever interpretation it is, this is a sad fucking line where mm-hmm. whatever it is wants to be Nurtured and coddled, and not, and is way, right? now like, a thing, right? Like now, this dove, this, this separate thing,
1: the separate thing has a voice, has wants, yes. has needs, and like there is no other line in this song that makes me want to agree with you, um, about this loss of a child or some other like traumatic womb-related event more than this one, like the cooing of the dove, the of the dove asking to be held close. It breaks my heart, and it really That's pushes true. me in
0: in this direction. Yeah. Um, On Genius, I don't know if this is a really obvious thing, but to me it, it wasn't until I read the Genius stuff, but I think they're totally right, and I don't know really why I missed this, but um, they're saying like this line is very uh, much making the reader think of a – Thing that's being taxidermied, that is being yeah. I read that too. Yeah, and I just for some reason hadn't made that connection, but like I feel like that is what's going on. If they're stuffed with, also this contrast between what it is, what sawdust is, Mm -hmm. and what diamonds are. Sawdust is totally valueless, and it's like a byproduct of like other shit that's going on, right? Like if I'm making something, sawdust is gonna uh arise from that, but it's useless. It's not mm-hmm. anything that anybody intended.
1: If you're trying to diamond wood, man
0: Right. Yeah, totally. I forgot mm-hmm. about that that reference. Um and then the the diamonds part where like diamonds are obviously very valuable and uh hard yeah, to just find. like yeah. Hard to, yeah and in stark contrast with what sawdust is. Um okay Just indulge me for a quick sec, because... Mm -hmm. (laughs) Indulging, commence. (laughs) Thank you. Pretty sure this is a stretch. Pretty sure she didn't have either of these things in mind. However, we had referenced that she is a huge fan of Nabokov, Mm -hmm. Vladimir Nabokov, who wrote Lolita. And we have cited interviews in which she has stated that she has referenced Lolita in specific in Emily when we she was talking about the rangely reclined part and mm-hmm. the motherlessness and mm-hmm. something else that I forget. Um and because of that, I feel like and the existentialness that is running through the song and her entire like catalog catalogue of work. The Sawdust and Diamonds part made me think of this poem that just, I don't even know why, but for some reason stuck with me after I read Lolita. And it's a poem that Humbert Humbert, the main character, the pedophile in it, writes. And just, I wrote this whole thing down in like my little notebook and would just like sit there and read it at night independently i loved this poem and i'm just going to read the whole thing now and i will edit this out if it turns out to be <laughs> so stupid and a far stretch but i do no, I want to hear it now
1: I i'm love in it for it so i read
0: lolita so recently but please please yay okay here goes so this is in lolita this is chapter 25 it goes wanted wanted dolores hayes hair brown lips scarlet age five thousand three hundred days profession, nun, or starlet. Where are you hiding, Dolores Hayes? Why are you hiding, darling? I talk in a daze, I walk in a maze, I cannot get out, said the starling. Where are you riding, Dolores Hayes? What make is the magic carpet? Is a cream cougar the present craze? And where are you parked, my carpet? Who is your hero, Dolores Hayes? Still one of those blue-capped starmen? Oh, the balmy days and the palmy bays and the cars and the bars, my Carmen. Oh, Dolores, that jukebox hurts. Are you still dancing, darling? Both in Warren Levi's, both in torn T-shirts, and I in my corner snarling. Happy, happy is Gnarled McFate touring the states with a child wife, plowing his molly in every state among the protected wildlife. My dolly, my folly, her eyes were bare, and never closed when I kissed her. No an old perfume called called soleil vert. Are you from Paris, mister? L'autre soir, un air froid d'opéra, Malita, son fèle bien folle et qui s'y fit. Il neige, le décor s'écroule, Lolita, Lolita, que j'ai fait de ta vie. Dying, dying Lolita Hayes, of hate and remorse I'm dying, and again my hairy fist I raise, and again I hear you crying. Officer, officer, there they go, in the rain where that lighted store is, and her socks are white, and I love her so, and her name is Hayes Dolores. Officer, officer, there they are, Dolores Hayes and her lover, whip out your gun and follow that car, now tumble out and take cover. Wanted, wanted, Dolores Hayes, her dream gray gaze never flinches. Ninety pounds is all she weighs with a height of sixty inches. My car is limping, Dolores Hayes, and the last long lap is the hardest. And I shall be dumped where the weed decays, and the rest is rust and stardust. And... For some reason, that poem just like fucking slays me. I don't even know what it is about it, but it's so heartbreaking to me. It's like
1: the entire novel in in verse, yeah. um, at least his experience of her, his experience yeah. of um, I don't even
0: want to call it a relationship. Um, no, I don't okay. I'm okay with calling it a relationship, even though I've heard that same complaint from from many people, Sam, like you're not alone in not wanting to call it that because it's the most dysfunctional and unhealthy and one-sided thing. Yeah. But unfortunately, I think that many, even adult relationships are very much yeah. like that. Yeah. And I don't at all mean to legitimize like the pedophilic relationship that's going on. I think that's fucked up. Um. But I also think that like we ought not think that relationship should be reserved for this like functional thing because even though like I get I get making the distinction between the two because they're very different beasts um but yeah anyways yes so I think you're right that it embodies this the whole fucking novel in this one poem Mm -hmm. and Like this really, really, really could just be my like little mind-making associations when she says Sawdust and Diamonds to Rust and Stardust. Mm -hmm. Um, but I like knowing that she had Lolita on her mind when she was writing one of the songs from this album is already like to me like at least a hint. And then just the stardust part is so reminiscent of the existential themes that have gone on through every song that we've talked about so far, and I'm pretty sure the rest of the songs that we're going to talk about on this album as well. And uh, Sawdust and Stardust, like, wait, so first Mm. the contrast between star and diamonds, like these like shimmering, shining things, but then also... The contrast between like stardust which like is presumably some valuable thing but also is that same kind of like matter that we were talking about in Emily where it's I don't know stardust is just as uh like meaningless as everybody else um and and this saw dust part sort of brings that down a level and so like it depreciates the value of whatever thing is being stuffed with diamonds in a way that Emily made me think of with Stardust stuff. I don't know. I don't think you're wrong. (laughs) I a little bit think I'm wrong. Uh
1: (laughs) I mean, I think it's a natural connection to make, especially since uh, Joanna herself has mentioned it.
0: Um, But God. Right. All right. Do you want to read the next – verse yep okay
1: so and then we go oh i wanted to say why the long face sparrow perch and play songs of long face burrow buck and bray songs of long face sing i will swallow your sadness and eat your cold clay just to lift your long face. And though it may be madness, I will take to the grave your precious long face. And though our bones they may break and our souls separate, why the long face? And though our bodies recoil from the grip of the soil, why the long face? And does long face have another meaning other than like melancholic
0: or sad? I don't know of one if it does, but I would not be surprised if it does. Um, burrow, I didn't know, is a donkey. It's a donkey in Spanish. I know that. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Buck as like the male iteration of deer, reindeer, antelopes, horse.
0: Um, Ooh. Ooh, I didn't even think of that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you'd call a male thing a buck. I was thinking of the action to two buck one off of one's back, which happens at the end of the Yee's myth.
1: It does. Right. Oh, yeah, that's the right. horse, or either she is bucked off by the horse, or she's pushed off into the waves by the um, by the by, by the, the king. by the king. Yeah, um, and then Bray is like um to me it's like the opposite of like a bird song um it's like the harsher cry
0: of um a donkey yeah yeah me too um that's interesting because i think what i finally came to is that when she's saying sparrow do this and burrow do this she's mm-hmm. contrasting this like masculine and feminine force throughout the song and so in my limited interpretation she here i think maybe because before she had said um makes me warble and rise like a sparrow yes uh, the system of strings i think did mm-hmm. and now she's saying like sparrow perch and play songs of long face this other thing burrow buck and bray songs of long face so in my head she's like saying sparrow this feminine thing that i am associating myself with for this song and also maybe ironically, but maybe not, uh, these birds are associated with these like potential not yet fully realized beings, which might either just indicate her like closeness to the thing that has died or also just indicate her still, her inchoateness, right? Like her still being formed uh, as a person. Mm-hmm. If we're right about the idea that birds are, uninstantiated beings for joanna um okay so in this interpretation she's saying like sparrow feminine thing that i associate myself with perch and play songs of long face burrow donkey uh also do this stuff with songs of long face but like deliver it in a different way Mm -hmm.
1: it's like
0: um
1: an emily when she starts the chorus again with told. Told, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the cold clay. Oh, this vert, like... The visuals of this verse are, in, like, the saddest way, some of my favorites in the entire album. Like, the image yeah. of the bodies recoiling from the grip of the soil is brutal dude that shit is is brutal and there were bones they may break and our souls separate
0: like it's almost it's almost i don't want to say like funny because it's not at all funny but the questions are almost so absurd Mm -hmm. like because when she's saying like even though our bones they may break and our souls separate, like the like craziest shit that can happen to human beings, yeah. why are you sad? And even though yeah. our bodies completely reject the idea of being encompassed by soil upon death, which we're all fucking destined to be. Yeah. Why are you sad about that? Why like it's so almost sad? ironic. Yeah. yeah. Like, of course we're sad about that. But in this like Buddhist vain I guess if you're thinking about like it's very much in line with this more eastern way of thinking which is that like you ought to come to terms with the fact that you're gonna die and like keep that present in your mind every day and it's not necessarily a thing to be freaking out about and the bell is tolling for all of us like we feel it every
1: time it happens it tolls for me it tolls for the um
0: yes yeah exactly um yeah and then uh uh the it may be madness but I'll take to the grave part just for better or for worse, reinforces to me the Mm -hmm. idea of madness having gone on throughout this song. She's like a little bit going crazy, maybe a little bit losing her grip on reality a little bit. Which makes sense
1: if we're coming in and out of this like dissociative dreamlike state. Um, Yeah,
0: dreamlike state, like fever dream mm -hmm. type reality. Yeah.
1: Yep. And like I'll carry this this sadness with me. Um, yeah. Ugh, really pertinent. Like
0: wounding <laughs> first. Like oh. it may be badness, but for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. I will take to the grave your precious long face. Mm-hmm. In a live version, so I can't remember if I said this already. I wanted to, but um my favorite recording of this song ever is a YouTube recording called End of the Road. I think it's from 2011. I'm just totally guessing that off of my mem- memory, which has um, proven to be unreliable in the past. Um, but End of the Road, Sawdust and Diamonds, look that shit up. It is. She has like these two braids in her hair and it is just the most heart-wrenching version. I cannot contain myself. And she changes the lyrics like a tiny, tiny, tiny little bit. She says, I will take the, take to the grave your precious little long face um, instead of just precious long face. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, she sings uh, desire in a different way than she does on the on the album. But anyways. Um, yeah. Do you want to do the next uh, verse here? Sure. Uh, OK. So she then sings and in the trough of the waves, which are pawing like dogs, pitch wee pale-faced and grave as i write in my log and then i hear a noise from the hull seven days out to sea and it is the damnable bell and it tolls well i believe that it tolls it tolls for me and it tolls for me ooh this is so so good it's so, good. Um, so like, the trough of the wave is, like,
1: the lowest, deepest part of the wave. It's the opposite of the crest. Um, and I feel like it's uh, comparable to that line in Emily, flanked by furrows, holding back, like, a match out to a newspaper, like, these immense bodies of water. Um, yeah. And also, like, if we're considering this as a song of, like emotional distress i feel like we've hit rock bottom now yeah like we are very much in the trough the deepest part of the ocean the deepest part of the wave here um and pawing like dogs like pawing to me is something that is like a friendly asking playful gesture and not so much in this sense at least in my interpretation like these waves this darkness is almost inviting us in. Like it's hard to not want to join them
0: in the depths. (laughs) That's a super uh, interesting interpretation. Um, I can't type and speak, so just give me one second. Mm -hmm. Um, But the pawing part I took in a different way Mm. where in my head pawing is like a very – frantic and desperate thing mm. so i picture my dog sometimes we have this like this um glass door to our backyard and Ozzy, my dog will when he sees the cat coming close to his food dish and he's outside <laughs> and he's looking in and he sees the cat doing this and it's the only time he'll do it but like normally he just sits by the door and waits for someone to come but if he sees the cat coming up to his food dish he's like like he's pawing at the glass door, like like frantically, like let me the fuck in, like I need this thing. Um, uh, and the reason I was looking up a thing on the internet was because of Jack Rabbit's on have one on me, in mm. which she says something pit- fists of ham, but I need to find it. Uh, but in that same sense, if the pawing is desperate,
1: um, we're still talking about like this deep deep part of the ocean these deep desperate feelings yes
0: Um. oh yeah I totally agree with that part I think that the way that I took this line was um so at the very beginning of the song when she was talking about how the bell gets uh drowned out and yeah drowned out and blotted mute as as a rock um that the water had this very, like, deathly force almost. Um, And so here, if we're tying that back to then, if the waves are pawing and we're taking it to to be that desperate way, it's like things are itching to take us under. Mm. Um, You know, in videotape by Radiohead, he says uh, uh, Mephistopheles is just beneath and is reaching out to grab me it makes me think of that where like they're just fucking waiting to like take these like living beings uh i'm not sure though i don't know and then i had like pitch
1: as in like you can throw something but also as in comparison to like the highness or lowness of a tone the highness or lowness of the trough or the crest and then like also the chord the strings the pitch can all just be like connected to the music making but then also pale-faced and grave like to be pale-faced is to be in shock or in fear of something grave is in like deathly serious or as in (laughs) literally the place where bodies rest
0: right um Yeah, and also to me, pale-faced is like also just dead, the kind of Mm, greenness that comes over a person. Mm -hmm.
1: And then just like, as I write in my log, made me think of the ledger that she has in Emily. Me too. Um, Yeah. Me too. For sure. But that also exists in terms of like a sailor's log or like a log of a lighthouse. Um, Yes
0: something that you're like meticulously writing in and Mm -hmm. like documenting things in a way that you don't know if it's going to be like meaningful or not. Um, Yeah. The, the line pitch here is puzzling to me. I don't know. We. Yeah. Pitch we. So pitch as in to pitch a, pitch a ball or pitch Mm -hmm. a tent and then we comma pale faced and grave. So we pitch In the trough of the waves, and the waves are pawing like dogs. But I don't know, I don't know what it means. So we throw ourselves in the waves that Mm -hmm. are pawing like dogs and eager to take us? Is that it? Like, I I have a 2% credence in my interpretation here. It's a beautiful image, (laughs) if nothing else. It is a beautiful
1: (laughs) image. Yeah, totally. But it also just doesn't make sense with the rest of the song. Like, I feel like with the rest of it, there's like a separation between these two and are they going to like sacrifice themselves in that way together has it has it i mean i don't
0: know i don't know i don't know either or like as a result of whatever has taken place are they both fucked like so if it's a an abortion or if it's a breakup you can imagine people pitching themselves into the waves, like not knowing what else to do and yet not being together, but both sort of just like throwing themselves out to sea Mm -hmm. to sort of flounder for a way to figure out what to do next. Um, uh,
1: But I don't know. Makes sense with the next verse though. The next verse is, then I hear a noise from the hull, seven days out to sea. And it is the damnable bell and it tolls well i believe that it tolls it tolls for me and it tolls for me so that part alone is just the most like i my heart cannot handle it <laughs> if we're talking about this couple or this person this entity pitching themselves into the waves and you know this is all like very unreality um now they're hearing the bell again. It's been seven days they've been alive or dead or despondent, whatever, in the water. Um, And it's that damnable bell that we blotted out. We drowned like a rock earlier. <laughs> I fucking hear it again. Like, and there's an exclamation point after, and it is the damnable bell. Yes. Um, like, what the fuck? How? No. Yeah. How? Um. And so, again, to, like, the Yeez myth, it's, it's it, like, you know, part of the myth is that, like, if you travel to that part of the world now, um, on clear days, the bell can still be heard. Um,
0: I, I Like, I also have no idea what to make of this, like, and in, in this just strikes me as one of those paragraphs, one of those verses, for which, like, it is just putting it into words other than the way that she's put it is just extraordinarily hard. Yeah. It's super hard to like voice <laughs> what feeling this gives rise to. Um, one thing I will say is that the damnable, the damnable bell part she wrote. And then as we had said before, she uh, like dreamed of East and had the book that her friend had given her that you had said, Sam mm-hmm. and within the book, that her friend had given her the phrase damnable bell bell" was used and that was after she had written this song so she saw the parallel like in this like uncanny way but the damnable bell was something that like stood out to her where she was like what the fuck like I wrote those words and now they're (laughs) appearing to me um and then of course of course there is the reference back to the dawn poem here uh it tolls well like i think that it tolls uh for me and again there's the repeating and it tolls for me mm-hmm. so whatever um like head down repeating mantra echoiness that the re- repetition of lines is supposed to invoke for us is occurring here and uh and again like if we think back to the poem, the guy says, "Dunn says, uh, like don't whatever I'm paraphrasing, but like don't go looking for, don't seek out who the bell tolls for. It tolls for thee, right? It's mm-hmm. it's for you. Um, mm-hmm. no matter who they're actually like literally ringing the funeral bells for, and it's just this like, rem- like really haunting reminder of your own mortality, maybe." Um, I don't know. I don't know.
1: I think the next verse is even more heartbreaking than the next. Here on out, it's just terrible. It's hard. So the next one is, And though my wrists and my waist seemed so easy to break, still, my dear, I'd have walked you to the edge of the water and they will recognize all the lines of your face in the face of the daughter of the daughter of my daughter. I'll stop there for now.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Uh, it's, my heart feels heavy right now. Like, um, my first thought is just her invoking the, these skeletal, parts of herself again Mm -hmm. so earlier in this song she had talked about the um articulation in our elbows and knees in emily she had talked about the uh bones uh, of the birches right Mm -hmm. and the bones thrown from the void Right, the bone, that's right, the bone thrown, thrown from the void. We're supposed to picture the bear as like existing without her skin. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the same way, we're here being encountered with a, I don't know, to me, it's just like this skeletal being that makes me confront the idea that like our material selves are not identical with ourselves and like we are more than that. Mm-hmm. Um So though my wrists and my waist seem so easy to break, like there's more to me than just my frail body. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I would have walked you to the edge of the water. And here again, the edge of the water seems like it's a menacing thing because if she needs like courage or something or like strength to walk to the edge of the water, it's something that is um, threatening, I think.
1: But also like my dear is a term of endearment. And like I took it as I would have walked with you forever. Like we could have done this. We could have gone the whole way. To the edge
0: of death. Yeah. To the edge of this like impending end. Yeah. But we didn't.
1: Um, But we didn't. Yeah, I
0: would have or I'd have. It's not I would.
1: Yeah. I would have. And then that, like, familial line of in the face of the daughter of the daughter of my daughter. Um, And I can't argue against, um, like, the notion that that's, like, a play on... um, on the loss of what might have been um, a child, a baby. Right, Um, right. The genius notes uh, link it to traditional song Jackero about a woman who dresses as a man to go to sea and find her lost love and it's just very quickly um, before you step on board sir your name I'd like to know she smiled and all her countenance said they call me Jackero. Well, they call me Jackero your waist is light and slender your fingers neat and small your cheeks too red and rosy for to face the cannonball oh to face the cannonball i know my waist is slender and my fingers they are small but they would not make me tremble for to see ten thousand fall oh to see ten thousand fall just like to face the cannonball is somewhat similar to um like facing the waves facing um any of the kind of like violent obstacles that our
0: narrator has met so far i really like that comparison and any like traditional folk song uh Super keen to associate with. Did Joanna you lyrics. make that
1: comparison? Am I quoting I you again?
0: <laughs> no, that was somebody else. Okay, just had to check. Yeah, I, that was not me, but that's super cool. I really like that. Uh, but yeah, of course, like the idea of. Oh, like, okay, oh, here, uh, here's the thing with the tense of Joanna lyrics that is that drives me absolutely bonkers because i never know what to make of it but i feel like i know that it's significant and yet like what do i do with that so as we had said in this first line of this verse she says and though my wrists and my waist seemed so easy to break still my dear i'd have Mm -hmm. walked you to the edge of the water then the next line is and they will Mm -hmm. recognize all the lines of your face in the face of the daughter, the daughter, of my daughter. So like a possibility
1: versus something um, that's more plausible.
0: Right. She could have said, and they Mm -hmm. would, Mm -hmm. they would have recognized Mm -hmm. all the lines of your face, but no, they will, they will recognize. And so like, who's they in Mm -hmm. my head at first, it was like very simplistically, just like the people who would uh, be alive in the preceding generations, the people Mm -hmm. who would come after you but if yeah like I uh, I don't know I don't know uh okay should I read the next verse Mm -hmm. and darling we will be fine but what was yours and mine appears to me a sandcastle that the gibbering wave takes but if it's all just the same then will you say my name say my name in the morning so that I know when the wave breaks the first note that i have is appears to me as like a one-sided
1: impression um appears to me sandcastle that the gibbering wave takes also just reminds me of like that table ceaselessly being set um yeah like you could build it once and the wave takes it and that's it or you can keep building and building and building and regardless of your efforts the waves waves got it every time
0: this fucking Sisyphean effort where mm-hmm. you roll the boulder up to the mm-hmm. top of the hill, but like literally, no matter what happens, that mm-hmm. boulder is going back down, and you're gonna have to go back up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally. I get that that impression too. And I don't think I said this, but when I was losing my mind and researching the uh uh and in the place where I stood, there was a circle of wood part. I was, like, looking up mandalas. Did I say that? Mm, No. So there was, like, one line of thought that I had followed where people were saying, like, mandalas uh, are often made of wood. And then I was like, hey, well, what's the symbolism for, like, wooden mandalas? Like, what are we supposed to take from that? And what did I get? I got that, um, that, uh, whatever. Circles of wood would often be found for, like, um... Uh, in ancient cultures, So, like, we would find now circles of woods from ancient uh, British Isles, but also just um, from Native American traditions. And we know that they were used for rituals of some sort, but we don't know exactly what those rituals were for. But this different interpretation was that they uh, were... So, Mandela in Sanskrit is just literally circle. Mm. And... And that's supposed to denote, like, a – or, like, help one to establish a sacred space. And, uh, okay, so why am I talking about that here? Just because of the idea that, you know, like, doing the mandala and then having it washed away by the waves and then doing it again. Even though you're working so hard on this thing and then it just gets fucking taken away anyways. But that's – the point of the – task is not the product it's the journey even though that sounds really cliched the process right um and so that's what this makes me think of is that like this gibbering wave this uh gibbering I think means let me just see it means rapidly and unintelligibly typically through fear or shock right so this frantic seeming wave again this fucking water man mm-hmm. <laughs> this really threatening water uh takes away all that i've been working on but if if it's all just the same then will you say my name so that i know when the wave breaks um although the the idea that she's making us think of her as an individual say my name mm-hmm. when we've maybe been thinking about the oneness of all of existence, maybe throughout this song, I think is interesting here.
1: Yes, say my name, like into a lot individualize me, yes. in the in all of this, distinguish me from the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. When the wave breaks too, as this desire to like know or predict when like the final blow of sorts will come, um, and kind of in contrast to how when Dahoud opens the gate. Mm. did she or did she not know what was coming then like also the wave breaking just it being um like a wave breaks when it's at its most um critical height and the energy changes from one kind to another and this like being a peak of sorts um Just as like when Dahoot the hoot the hoot opens the doors to the demise of yeast.
0: It initiates like this spilling over, right? Mm-hmm. Like if exactly. it's at the the peak of something and then it like something happens and then like the spilling over and resulting shit happens as a result of the of the spilling overness. Yeah. Um I, I always found it um mysterious as to why whoever is the um, like subject of this speech, why them saying her name would result in her knowing when the wave breaks? Does it bring her back? Is it like the like the bell
1: as like a either a transitional sound or like an enlightening sound, or as a means of communication or as signaling something? Does it like bring her back? to her body in that sense does it like by
0: naming her do we identify her i like that a lot because i mean this is skipping you know a whole album but in diver she (laughs) (laughs) she talks about the morning very much as being like this and like just just without knowing anything about her her uh following albums morning very much is supposed to be associated with like rebirth and newness and like this other chance at, like this whole new day right and so uh it goes with what you were saying with like if i were in this dream state this fucking fever dream mm-hmm. like call me like wake me up call like me by my name call yeah call me by my name um and so that that i know when this fucking dream mm-hmm. or nightmare or whatever is done and i can like go on living my life uh, I don't know. I don't know. It this I this it's one of those lines I cannot ever explain why it's so heartbreaking, but it just it just melts my entire being. Um, now our cadence is back to very busy.
1: The beat is a boppin'. Um, <laughs> we're moving along quickly. The next verse is: I wasn't born of a whistle or milked from a thistle at twilight, no. I was all horns and thorns, sprung out fully formed, knock-kneed and upright. So enough of this terror, we deserve to know light, and grow ever more lighter and lighter. You would have seen me through, but I could not undo that desire. And I'll save the last verse for last. But the first connection that, I don't know if it was, yeah, it must have been genius that brought me there, um, was the comparison to Athena. Um, as the daughter of Zeus, who was produced without a mother, uh, produced without a mother. And she was fucking born, fully grown from his forehead, which is wild. She came out (laughs) and she was ready to fucking fight. Um, which is so cool. Like, I love doing this with you, Nikki, because it, like, takes you to the wildest places. Um... And that was like a really fun, uh, a really fun hole to get into. So all this shit happens. Zeus is married to a goddess um, named Métis, who's the wisest of gods. Um, M-E-T-I-S? M-E-T-I-S. After learning that Métis was pregnant, he became afraid that the unborn offspring would try, this is just from Wikipedia, would try to overthrow him. Because Gaia and Oranos had prophesied that Metis would bear children wiser than their father. In order to prevent this, Zeus tricked Metis into letting him swallow her, but it was too late because Metis had already conceived. Haha. Uh, Metis transformed into very different shapes, many different shapes in an effort to escape in an effort to escape Zeus. Um ugh. but Zeus successfully raped her and swallowed her. So like it's very much like the Callisto story. Some bullshit.
0: It's some bullshit. He is.
1: And this is actually even, it's interesting considering the order of the songs, but this next note is, after swallowing Métis, Zeus took six more wives in succession until he married his seventh and present wife, Hera. And Hera was, was she not the wife of Zeus when he raped Calisto? Yes, yes he was. In terms of this myth, we're going back in time a little bit. Then Zeus... Got a ton of headaches. Um, he got an enormous headache. He was in such pain that he ordered someone um, to cleave his head open uh, with a double headed axe. And then Athena leaped from Zeus's head, fully grown and armed, which is like, yeah, 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 go, go, go. I am here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, she cried aloud with a mighty shout, and that the sky and Mother Earth shuddered before her, um, which is wow. just like brilliant. <laughs> brilliant sideline there I mean seriously it really it really is mm-hmm. and like there's
0: there is no way to not take this line as like a super badass line right yeah I wasn't like it's there's there's no way that this line is not rebellious and bucking against mm-hmm. like I'm not docile like yeah. I wasn't born of a whistle or milk from a thistle I'm uh, I was all horns and thorns. I don't like, I don't need whatever you're providing me. I am fully capable of doing whatever it is on my own. yeah, and like it's like from this line on, she's stealing herself to deal like with the rest of her life, mm-hmm. like the rest of what is gonna happen. And so she's saying, like, look, I don't need to be dwelling in this. I don't need to be haunted by this. I can steal myself. I'm like a tough human being. and Uh yeah, I was born to deal with this shit. I have to. And I love the use of whistle
1: here. Like whistling is something you do when you're chilling, you're relaxed. She wasn't born of that shit. She wasn't milked from some like passive plant in the evening. Um, no, she was horns and thorns. She sprung out fully formed, knock kneed and upright. She's Athena in this in this sense. She's Athena. She's totally Athena. It's incredible. It's real fun.
0: I think I read too on Genius. I, I think it was on Genius, I'm not sure, but um that like Whistle Here I don't know how much to, to, to believe this, but um that Whistle Here is supposed to make us think of like clean as a whistle. I wasn't oh, born, sure like of innocence, like Right, not- like
1: the white that we referenced so Right. So yes early. yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. This is not like a virgin birth. Right. Um exactly. this is not like a new um, I'm
0: not in some fairy tale. Yes, I'm in like the real yes. world. This is and... real shit. Yeah. yeah, and I'm prepared for it. Um, I don't know. So the desire that she is maybe wanting to undo. What do you take that as? Oh, hold on. We got to read this verse first. Oh, we didn't. We oh, didn't do that? maybe
1: I did. Uh, maybe I did. You're right um what is it that she's wanting to undo so enough of this terror we deserve to enlighten grow ever more lighter and lighter you would have seen me through but i could not undo that desire that like desire of i mean it's like walking to the edge of the water like that wanting to if we're thinking about this as a relationship that wanting to um maybe have someone by your side throughout all of this um and kind of, like, unteaching yourself, unschooling yourself in um that need or that, like,
0: that pattern. I'm super torn because, like, on the one hand, she's saying, like, we could have stuck together, mm-hmm. but I could not undo that desire. And so taken apart from everything that we know about this album and this song, if I were to just read this line, I would think that she- – you would have seen me through but I could not undo that desire it refers to a person who is desiring someone who is other than her partner and look this person that she was with would have seen her through to the end but she had this uh like analistic desire for this other person that she could not just do away with and so she like fucked it all up because she had this desire to step out <laughs> on her relationship right
1: or if we're talking about it, like you said, um, as wanting a child or wanting to, like, fulfill that, like, familial role. Maybe this partner wasn't into that. And, like, right. you would have seen right. me through, but I could not have done that, that desire. Like, I can't convince myself of not yes. wanting that. Yes. that's um,
0: That's what I ultimately think this line mm-hmm. is, is that it's not – it's not separate from the rest of the song and it is very much saying like, I cannot get past this thing. And to me, this calls back to like, at the four hours ago when we were talking about the, the rock and I was saying like, look, the rock, she's, she's comparing the, yeah. Okay. So for me this calls back to when she was talking about the, rock and she was sort of trying to convince herself that the thing is mute as a rock it mm-hmm. is uh it, it doesn't even have a desire to have a voice right it's just it's a fucking thing mm-hmm. and like the thing is dead but like it's a rock it doesn't matter mm-hmm. but here i think there's some kind of acknowledgement that like i cannot convince myself of that um, i could not yeah yes right i could not convince myself of that that uh, I like think I even like I tried I tried to undo the desire and I could not do it Um, I tried for you to undo that desire and I could not do it
1: and I like the word undo here and this is just coming to me as you're speaking but like we talk so much about strings and wires and it makes me think of you know her wrapping this dove this idea up in something that should not have been like in this denial of true want or true need. And then we get to the end of the song here and she can't undo it. It's like it it
0: done. It's been, it's been done. Uh, I referenced on i I'm so sorry in the last episode, I'm going to do it again here, but there's this song, I think it's called uh, Tis of Thee. And she, the chorus is just like, will never live long enough to undo everything they've done to you. Mm-hmm. And it's like to unlearn all this shit that we've been meant to learn. And not not that even that we've been meant to learn, but like that we have learned as a result of being in this society. Like it is just a fundamental part of who you are. So this desire has been done to me. Uh, it's not something that is like, that I would have necessarily like Glummed onto had I been just independent of this world but like I'm not and so I can't undo the thing that has been done to me Mm -hmm. um yeah Bjork also has a song called undo that's super beautiful but yeah I think you're right that it's just undo is a really cool word here
1: Mm -hmm. we're almost at the end we're in the last little bit we're at and I will not sing it but it's (laughs) Oh, desire. Oh, desire. Oh, desire. Desire, 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 desire with exclamation points. And then we repeat um, from the top of the flight of the wide white stairs through the rest of my life.
0: Do you wait for me there? Okay, on can I just quickly quickly say Mm -hmm. on the end of the road recording that I was referring to and I will try to remember to post this on Facebook. Um, she sings, to me, this is like the most interesting, uh, amendment that she makes to the way that she sings it, but she says like, oh, desire, oh, desire, mm-hmm. uh, desire, desire, you know, desire rather than just desire four times. Mm-hmm. So she changes desire, desire, you know, desire. And so like, she's saying, Person to whom I am speaking, Mm -hmm. you are also well acquainted with this desire that I am referencing. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not a stranger to this, so don't pretend like you are. Like, that that amendment to me just, oh, it's like shattering. It's so sad. Mm -hmm. You know this desire. I know that you know this desire. I also have it. And you are well aware of this, too. Like, this is not almost like this is not the first time
1: that I've mentioned this. Yes. Right,
0: Um, right. Yeah. yeah. You're not a stranger to this. Yes. Yeah.
1: I mean, I honestly don't have a lot more to say here. I will say that I listened to a lot of, um, Bill Callahan this week. Um, and maybe it was the (laughs) endless winter rain because I live in Vancouver. Um, but when, uh, digging deep into this episode, um, the repeated line from all thoughts are prey to some beast, on the Sometimes I Wish We Were an Eagle album, Sweet Desire and Soft Thoughts Returned to Me, um, brought a similar kind of imagery with surprise, surprise, a bird, um, an <laughs> eagle <laughs> watching these much smaller birds. And he mentions starlings, finches and wrens. Um, And pondering if they should, uh, if the eagle should steal their nests, consolidate them and use these like secondhand nests for their own family, when suddenly the eagle realizes, um, and whether this thought was like the eagle's original thought or was brought on by something else, um, all sweet desire and soft thoughts are gone. And the eagle shrieks, I'm alone, (laughs) like the realization, um, like there is no family to be had and the eagle is alone and I feel like the end of this song is also kind of like a coming to terms not with like necessarily loneliness but if we frame it as a relationship like this was something that I tried to communicate and maybe wasn't
0: wasn't understood I could not undo that desire there is still such a death that comes along with any termination of a relationship, even when both parties know it is the thing that needs to be done, even when it's not as though you have any doubt about that. It's still like, oh, my fucking God, this life that I have crafted with mm-hmm. this person is just over. And that is no matter what the like logistics and like rationality behind it are, it's just a devastating thing. Um yeah, and I get that vibe from that entire album. Sometimes I wish we were an eagle. And also from um, it's like one of my favorite books of all time, but Bill Callahan's book, uh, Emma Bullcutt, Letters to Emma Bullcut. Mm. It is I like used to buy this book for everybody. Like my only way of flirting with people, <laughs> I swear to God, I have bought so many men and women these books uh just copies of letters to Emma Bolka and like sent them out with like some little inscription on the like inside cover legitimately without exaggerating it was my way of flirting with anybody I'd be like "Uh, I don't know how to talk to you but here like read this book and tell me like all the existential thoughts you had because like me too you
1: could not undo that desire
0: Thank you so much,
1: everyone, for bearing with us once again for our final episode of Sawdust and Diamonds. Um, Thank you again to our contributors. If you would like to contribute something, we are always accepting voice memos and emails. Our email address is a hopeless endeavor, E N D E A V O R, at gmail.com. Our (laughs) Nikki is dying laughing from my last take here. Our Instagram is a hopeless endeavor podcast. Nikki runs our Facebook group, which is a hopeless (laughs) endeavor, a Joanna Newsome podcast. (laughs) So uh thank you so much, everyone. Thanks for
0: listening. Nikki says bye. (laughs) We can do it again if you want. It's okay, that's fine. No one cares what we for us. Oh my god, I don't even know what. I was so funny, <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing. Oh man, I'm dying, I need to clean up.